Welcome to Talking TRM, the Travel Risk Management Podcast. I'm Bex Debman and I'm an independent consultant specialising in ISO 31030. During my transition from corporate travel to travel risk, I've met some incredible individuals driving travel risk management forward with passion and expertise. On this podcast, I'm going to chat with them about their stories and hopefully inspire our listeners to start their own travel risk management journey. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Talking TRM. My name is Travel Respects, and today I'm joined by Jennifer Milton, or Jen, as we're going to call her today, which is much much more friendly in the term, the tones that we like. So let's just go back to where we met. And we always, when any of my guests come on, we always spend a few minutes talking offline. So I've had a chance to catch up because things have changed for her. But ultimately, I think we're kind of like a social media friend, aren't we? So this is like LinkedIn um, that we just kind of started commenting and, and seeing what each other were doing. And then so had some meetings from there. So shout out to LinkedIn, does work. Um, and um, and then from there, I invited you to join the group, which has been developing the standards across 31030. So it's a real play. And this is all about, I don't know, maybe sort of 18 months to two years ago now. So mm-hmm. never get in the flesh, but that doesn't stop us. Um, we will in the future, I'm sure. But it just goes to show, again, you can develop really good relationships without actually having ever met people. So, you know, there is a way forward through all of this stuff, as much as meeting in person is great. So it's um, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm absolutely delighted. I said off screen earlier that I don't get the chance to talk to so many women in this space. And it's really important to me that we have our voice. So I'm delighted that you're here. Um, thank you so for that- the invite. I appreciate it. I'm looking You're forward very, to it. very welcome. Jen, let's just get straight into it. And if you could tell our listeners, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, I'd love to. So my name's Jennifer Milton, or Jen, as Beck said, and I'm living in a wonderful area between Munich and Innsbruck in the Bavarian Alps. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, not far from the Oktoberfest. So if anyone's over here and wants to visit me into September, please do. I'm originally from America, but have been living over here for about 20 years already from Alaska. And yeah, I have two jobs, actually. My, let's say my my main job and one that I'm totally, absolutely adoring and loving, a new position for me, kind of a new industry is um, in the company is called Biolitica. Biolitica is a healthcare company, longevity company, preventative care company. They have a two-pronged system. They're developing a platform to monitor um, patients or clients' biomarkers, their wearables, their DNA. This all comes into one system. And this really helps you determine your level of health, what kind of health issues you've got, and so on. And then we've got a wonderful clinician team there. They work behind this program, direct with clients, um, all kinds of different things, exercise, nutrition, sleep, anything you can think of. So my job there is head of operations and I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, totally into healthcare. This is, like I said, it's a little bit different for me, um, different area, but I'm still in healthcare. And my second job is co-founder of an assistance company called Thomas ASS. Thomas A has two offices in Munich and in Cairo. So 
they unfortunately tried to begin business the December before Corona didn't Ooh. didn't happen. It was a no. really horrible time. I'm working with a company, getting things started again, getting structures set up, getting our client base back, and offering some wonderful services. So you're balancing both. You're doing both of those jobs together. So that's a really nice, um, well, kind of like a, you, you kind of got one side from the medical side and then obviously the risk piece from the assistance company. So you're seeing all of the different kind of stuff that can come up from there, plus being potentially able to hone. I'm really interested in this preventative piece with the medicine because, or with the, you know, with, with how we look after people, because for me that just dives straight into this idea of well-being which dives straight into this idea of traveler well-being and the whole point of ISO 301030 is being proactive to reduce risks <laughs> so to yeah. me this, this just kind of sits in perfectly so where's this kind of change coming from because I mean ultimately in the west we're, we're highly stressed we're highly anxious we're popping pills we are beginning to think maybe there's a better way and and so how does talk to me about a bit more about this yeah, exactly right. We're popping pills. We're totally stressed. And if you get down to the nitty gritty, the baseline, why is this happening? It's probably not because it's the best thing for people or the patients or the clients. It's because the costs are too high for insurers. The costs are too high for everyone. I can't say this product is on the market right now for the average insured person. Not yet. It's still in the beginning phases but we've had lots of interest from insurance companies because mm -hmm. they do see that instead of paying for a terribly expensive cancer treatment, diabetes or similar things like that, it's much easier to nip it in the bud before it even begins. And that's what preventative care is. The, this goes hand in hand with longevity. Longevity doesn't mean necessarily going to live forever. What it does mean is the time you're here on this earth, you're going to have a quality life. That means you're going to be healthy. If you live till 80, 90, 100, you're not going to be walking around with a, a cane in a wheelchair, laying in a nursing home. You're going to have a good quality life as far as it's, it's possible. And doing this with a combination of scientific-based facts, tests, DNA, urine, blood, and so on. It's no hocus pocus. It's, it's something that's scientifically scientifically based and if you really look at it from afar it's it's rather simple actually and like you said it it does mitigate risk for the insurer the health insurer but but most importantly for the client for the patient themselves a hundred percent and i think there's a real interest isn't there from the clients themselves you know we want to take better care of ourselves this is this kind of then links into again what we're talking about today because you know, people don't necessarily, people, up until COVID, nobody thought about their health before they got onto a plane. You may do if you were suffering from obviously um, a, a, a disease or an illness that, you know, you were being treated for, because obviously there's insurance issues around that. But generally a cough or a cold or anything like that, people were traveling uh, without really thinking about it. And now that that has changed. Um, but as technology makes this more accessible to us, as we are able to actually have more control and more you know, think about our Apple watches or, you know, we can, we can monitor everything. We want to then have some sort of output and see the success in that. There's some insurance companies already, isn't there? It's, is it Vitality here in the UK that they actually um, 
you know, reduce your premium if you are doing a certain amount of exercise and stuff like that. Yeah. So you're trying to encourage a better lifestyle for people, which then kind of has, if you if you then know more, if you know how to look after yourself, surely then you're going to be questioning some of the things that you were doing before. So if we go back to traveling too much, <laughs> uh, which is a real bugbear of mine, but you know, I've, I've seen it all my career that that companies are generally just just traveling too much. They're not questioning why they travel. And and I hope that post COVID this would change, but it hasn't. Companies have just kind of jumped back to kind of what they were doing. Um, and there's a reason for that. They don't know how else to do it yet. And they're, they're trying to think it through. Whereas this kind of visibility um, allows people to take ownership of this themselves and actually perhaps push back. You know, I'm not going to do those trips because actually that really stresses me out. My blood, yeah. friend, you know, all those other things. Flying stresses me out. And it's only think of it, all of those things that we've just not thought about. I think that's so exciting, Jen. No wonder you're excited on both of these projects. Not sure where to start with implementing a standard such as ISO 31030? A gap analysis exercise from Ascent Risk Management is the best place to start. Our expert consultants will take you step by step through your chosen standard and highlight any weak areas. This can be conducted remotely and the results of the gap analysis can form the plan for your targeted project. Contact Ascent today at www.ascent1, which is A-S-S-E-N-T-1.com and booking your gap analysis today. We touched on the company that's in Cairo, the the assist the um the sorry the assistance company, yes. And I think this is really interesting because we've talked about obviously what can happen with medical bills in countries other than the country that you know of that you come from. So obviously the Middle East can is can be an issue. Um, so talk, talk me through that a little bit as well, just for our listeners, just to give them some advice. Yeah, it's really interesting. So so you've got a situation in the Middle East. Of course, it's a cultural difference. If, if it's, you know, just not between the Middle East and Europe or America, you may have these situations in Asia and in South Africa um, in certain clinics. Um, it's just a matter of understanding communication. We've all seen this within the medical assistance industry and the travel risk industry. Treatments and certain therapies are done differently in different countries. You've got your different rates of costs, your different level of costs for all kinds of different um, situations going on. And, and what, what has not happened in the past and what needs to happen now is that lines of communication are opened up at the beginning of a relationship. Expectations are not just put into a contract form, but are put on the table and discussed. If you, you know, maybe travel is too much for these type of talks, but we've all done it. We've got Teams, we've got Zoom, we've got all kinds of different things, Slack, huddles, whatever they're called. You can do anything and get together and talk about your expectations as an insurer, as a medical assistance service in Europe or America. And then at the end of the day, as the hospital um, in Horgada, as the hospital in Cairo, any other hospital, for example. This is our setup. This is how we treat patients. This is how it looks from A to Z. And then on the other side of the table, I'm the medical assistant. I'm the insurer. This is what's covered in our policies. This is when we want you to notify us. This is what we'll do. This is what we won't do. Nipping these things in the bud before they turn into problems, because it, it does happen quite often. 
um, like I said, I, I, I don't, I'm pretty, I'm not going to say I'm gullible, but I believe in the best. And I don't think that this is always done just to make money. I really and truly believe that many cultures want to treat visitors and tourists very well. And for that reason, they overtreat them. And these overtreatments are just not covered. A travel insurance policy has its limits. And um, we don't want the client, the patient, to be sitting on those extra costs. So this is where I come in, and it's a really cool constellation. I'm very excited about it. Um, Thomas A. is right now, at this point, working directly with German and European clients traveling to the Middle East. So we're going directly to the horse's mouth, to those clients here in Europe talking to them and then talking to our medical assistants, our hospital, our medical facility networks within Cairo, within Egypt, within the Middle East and saying, okay, these are our clients' expectations. We're going to meet them. And this is really important. So I like it. I've had these cases in the medical assistance world quite a few times. And you just think, goodness gracious, if we would have done this differently from the beginning, we wouldn't have this situation. So like I was saying, I don't think any of these medical facilities have any nefarious ideas behind it, why they're overcharging or why they're overtreating. I really think that's going to happen for sure, but that would be the exception to the rule. There's so many parallels with this with travel. I'm so glad I've got you on, Jen. I knew this was going to be good because this is kind of part of the travel risk management piece in action, right? And this is what we talk about, you know, get to the understanding. Don't just write these policies and just put them in a cupboard somewhere. You have to act on them. You have to look through these different scenarios. You actually need to understand from beginning to end what kicks in where. And insurance is actually one of the big places that we start because from a travel risk management perspective, your insurance company is going to lead on most of what you're covered for. So therefore, that's almost the place to sort of start with a policy. So these are just two, they're just so ingrained for me. It's really important. So I think we've touched on your passion throughout this. And I think we can begin to feel your excitement in what you're doing, which I'm delighted. What's your drive behind this in travel risk management? What is it that's made you, you know, leave one job and get two jobs in this space to try and change the world? What What is it that makes you do this, Jen? You know what? I, I really love it. I really do. Um, I've got this in my LinkedIn profile, a biologist having a ball connecting healthcare dots. And it's true. I, I really believe that there are connections between medical assistance, healthcare insurance, the healthcare industry world, travel risk management. They're all interrelated. You can't leave one piece out of the puzzle. If you do, you're going to miss something. They're all connected. And just actually... I first got interested in medical assistance. It's been quite a few years ago. I met my, he's, he's now my ex-husband. He's a German mountain guide in Alaska. Okay. So um, I was working as a, as a biologist at the time, but it was kind of, I'm, I'm actually a salmon biologist. You don't find too many in Bavaria. <laughs> no. So, no, there are too many here. Maybe. Yeah. So, so I was working in Alaska as a salmon biologist and it was kind of between seasons. So before the ice is really thawed on the rivers and everything. And I worked in a climbing shop and one day these four really cute German guys came in German climbers and they were going to go up Mount McKinley. 
so one thing led to another and um yeah we went out with a group a few nights my friends and i had a nice time and it was it was fun then um the german guys left they went on their expedition headed up the talkeetna which is about two two and a half hours away from anchorage and that's where you fly out in the little little cessna and uh, go up to the Kahiltna glacier where the base camp is and so we said goodbye I was going to go on an expedition three or four days later. So we said, you know, perhaps we'll meet up somewhere in Tucky. And that was that. A few days later, I got a call at the climbing shop. And the fellow said to me, Jennifer, this is Francis. And I thought, I know no man that's called Francis. Who are you? He said, Franz. <laughs> Franz from Germany. Okay. Oh, hi, Franz. How are you doing? So he was one of the four cute German guys. And he said, listen, I've got something to tell you. I really need your help. And um, fact is that two of the guys died, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. They had um, basically on the other side of the glacier from Mount McKinley is a mountain called Mount Hunter. And two of the fellows um, decided to do a second ascent of a pretty cool climb but a really difficult one and they took off early in the morning and at the end of their long day they were hit by an ice serac so so an ice avalanche and um yeah passed away pretty soon wow so yeah franz called me and asked if i could help it was pretty dramatic actually happens on mount mckinley but it was just really unexpected these four guys were doing their um mountain guide training you may be familiar with it in europe it's it's pretty extensive so they were just finishing it up and this was part of their training so anyway i headed up to Takitna. i was going to do an expedition myself so i went up there earlier and helped them and i couldn't tell you the name of the insurance company or the medical assistance company who supported them along the way but i'm sure it had something to do with a german um german mountain guide uh, association. So they were amazingly supportive. They did everything. So they had to do a repatriation of mortal remains, mm-hmm. you know, get them down from the glaciers. The park service did this, but you know, flying them out with a little plane and the whole thing. So it was, it was a huge undertaking. And I was, that was my first experience with a medical assistance company. And I was blown away. I was yeah. absolutely blown away how caring and thoughtful they did everything. You know, they got these guys hotel rooms in Anchorage. Um, they offered them support online, uh, not online support, but on the telephone support, you know, um, a German company. And, and I need to find out who it was. I still haven't done that. Um, and that's when I just really got excited about medical assistance. I was always impressed with the level of customer service in America. It's a little different. I, I grew up with my, um, we didn't have the Bible on our, ta- on our table. We had the Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was our book <laughs> on the table. Pretty so, good. yeah, I've always got the, the customers always right. And, and yeah. I was extremely impressed. And so that was always there. And it just happened to be after moving over to Germany, having two, two boys and starting to get back into the working world after they were old enough obviously i couldn't work as a salmon biologist here in in bavaria yeah <laughs> not too many <laughs> salmon swimming around here 
But um, I did see an advertisement for, you know, I worked in a laboratory doing toe fungus jobs and things like that. Wasn't the most exciting. And I, and I did see an advertisement for um, someone needed with medical experience and English knowledge. And I thought, well, that's me. And it was a medical assistance company. I was addicted. I was mm. addicted. And I love the weekends where I had to work so much that three days long, I didn't brush my teeth or take off my pajamas. And that's, I just found it. I found my calling. Oh, um, I love it. Then. Yeah. People, so that's, that's, what it was. that's exactly what it's like. That's, that's, yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. I, I, my first kind of taste of it was working for an adventure company and it, we, we, they did it every, cause they had an experience a few years before they therefore did a kind of recce and a practice every year. And we did that every year, but then I was working for them when um, the big tsunamis hit globally um, and they were an adventure travel company. So they had, we had, I think in the end, we had people in 60 countries and we had about 120 tours and we had to get everybody in. And that like those two or three days that we were trying to make contacts, they just pulled us in as the crisis team. I get mm. it. It is addictive. Yeah. Um, especially if you've got this customer service, this caring of people background, because that's when you go that extra mile. But I think seeing it live as you did and unfolding in front of you. So it wasn't just the kind of idea of what it was. You actually saw how it could be done at potentially a very high level and really, really yeah. well as well. So they set the bar too for you, didn't they? Which is, they which sure is a good thing for your furthest career. Um, I, um, I'm really blown away by that story. It's it's um I never know quite what my guests are going to say because we kind of do this bit as we go don't we and I just can't imagine the the, the effort that would have needed <laughs> to have gone in to, yeah. to make that happen and to get those to get those guys back um and to be in a part of that would have just been insane so I can completely understand why you were smitten um and I think what's really interesting with what you're doing is lacing this all together. So I often talk about travel risk management being, you know, because we've talked about it before, being this kind of umbrella thing that links all this stuff together that you can't do one without the other, right? So when you talk right. about, you can't possibly look at insurance without looking at travel without. So for me, I'm always, you know, anything that happens to a human being, anything that happens to a human being can happen when they're traveling. The difference yeah. is it'll be much worse. <laughs> unless it's handled properly, you know, because they won't have a support network around them. They'll be on their own. There could be other factors, you know, coming into play. Um, and I think that's, that's what I'm connecting the dots. I'm going to steal that. I love it. I've got a, a story, a really short one. And yeah, um, lovely. I actually thought about talking to you if we shouldn't open up um, a travel risk management medical assistance company called your mama's medical assistance advice or travel <laughs> just really quick my my son is in hawaii right now so he all of a sudden told me last november listen i'm gonna quit my job um they've got the vocational training over here so he hadn't been working really for too long but he all of a sudden said i'm gonna quit i want to go to hawaii i'm gonna learn to surf and i was like right sure but he did and he's been over there since the 27th of january the last thing I told him at the airport was, Vincent, don't pee in public spaces in America. They don't like it. And you get put in jail for things. It's a misdemeanor, but still don't do it. Don't do it. They do it over here all the all over. 
the German mm-hmm. guys are, you know, you just go down the Autobahn. Oh, okay. This guy is just peeing on the side. So anyway, no one takes me seriously. A couple, well, it's been three weeks ago now. Um, first of all, my son's telephone, his cell phone got stolen. He didn't call me when he was supposed to. Anyway, sent me a text and he said, listen, I'm my, my phone was stolen. I'm getting an American SIM card. I'll contact you. Then he sent me a text message in the night. This is my number. I need to talk to you too. If you can call the bank, I can't pick up any more money. Something's wrong. I've gone over my limit. I need to get it raised. No problem. We'll talk the next day. Here's my new number. Good. No son. No call for my son. Three nights long. Nothing. I call his number. I call his number. I call his number. All of a sudden, Sunday morning, this is after three sleepless mother nights. I get a about message. three months for normal yeah. time. Yeah. 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 I get a message from someone. Did you try to call me? And I said, well, I'm trying to call my son. Who are you? Is your son's name Vincent? And I said, yes. He said, could we talk? And I said, yes. So this was a friend of my son's and they were living in the hostel together. And my son had been using his cell phone with a SIM card because he obviously didn't get enough time to do it. And he said, I just popped Vincent's SIM card back in and saw that someone had been calling and it was you. Has Vincent called you? And I said, obviously not. No. Well, he's in jail. And I said, why is he in jail? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Public urination. <laughs> Amazing. So then, <laughs> first of all, I wasn't angry. Really, I was relieved. I was relieved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, ha- yeah. I haven't said yet, I told you so. <laughs> I'll do that when he's here. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you just told um, all our listeners too. Yay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love right. it. Oh, I mean, I'm, yeah, that, that's just, I, I want to kind of be a fly on the wall when he's home and you have that story. Yeah. <laughs> so so I thought a good business name would be Mama's Travel Assistance, <laughs> Mama's Travel Advice or something Mama's like that. Mama's Travel Advice. So all the things that you think, that you don't listen to us. And this is it, isn't it? We talk about this so much about what you can do. I have never even thought about that one, Jenny. It would never have been a bit of advice I'd have given, but then I... I guess it happens here, but I, it doesn't maybe happen as much here as it happens in Germany. Although I think people are pretty happy to pee anywhere here as well, if yeah. they want to. Um, I don't, I'm, yeah, it definitely happens. Um, but it's not a bit of a first I've given. <laughs> right, we need to get this together. Yes, 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 yes. I'm up for this. That's how we can, mother's <laughs> okay. advice for our, for our babies as they go. I feel like that could have been a golden nugget of advice right there. And I hope lots of people realise that. But, but have you got some others to share with our listeners for those that are wanting to get into travel risk management? Well, well, obviously, if I if I had to to give you the best golden nugget of advice, it'd be the same thing I would give my children: listen to your mama. <laughs> so yes, a golden nugget of advice is to listen to your mama always. I mean, I've never gone oh. wrong with that, and my grandma. Exactly, exactly, and just just going back to that, and that's what my kids always say. Well, you know, mom, why should I listen to you? Well, in certain things, your mother is the expert or has experience in that area, and with travel. Um, just getting back to that, if it's not your mother, it's listen to an expert. So there are people and, and companies out there and they do nothing else, just like you, Bex, um, and that's their area of expertise. And when you need support, when you need help, go to the best, go to the experts. That would be my best, best nugget of advice, actually. 
Well, that's an excellent nugget. And I'm going to take that, Jen. Come and talk to me. <laughs> or, <laughs> or obviously lots of other great consultants like me. Um, no, Jen, thank you so much. I just really, really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for coming in to talk to our listeners. I think we're going to get a lot of feedback from this podcast. Um, I am ever so grateful that, again, on my journey, I've had an opportunity to meet you because this is only through travel risk management that we've been able to develop this relationship. So it's just really important to bring all that together. Um, So to everybody, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Talking TRM with Travel Risk Bex. We've been speaking to Jennifer Milton. And until next time, take care of yourselves. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Talking TRM is in association with the Scent Risk Management. If you enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please subscribe and make sure to leave a review. If you need any help with implementing an ISO standard, such as ISO 31030, or if you have any questions regarding ISO, please reach out to a Scent Risk Management to talk to our expert consultants today. We can be found at www.ascent1.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and links can be found in the show description. This podcast is a Clemark Studio production and was produced by Jessica Ingalls.